The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Do you love true crime and traveling? Having traveled the world solo the last couple of years and being obsessed with true crime, I found myself researching others who took the same vacations, but never made it home. The Last Trip is a true crime podcast covering missing and murdered people that were living their best lives on vacation. I'm your host, Jamie Beebe, and each week I'll bring you on The Last Trip, taking a deep dive into vacation culture and travel spots, tips on staying alive while traveling, and ultimately recreating someone's last days in paradise. What led to their last trip? And could you be next? Kara Henry vanished from Maui, Hawaii while traveling solo, and after extensive searches, there are still no leads. Did she meet with the wrong person, fall into the ocean, or simply walk away from her life? Elijah Snow and his wife were celebrating their 10th wedding anniversary in Cancun, Mexico. Elijah was last seen on camera walking up the steps to his hotel room only minutes after his wife got in the elevator to also go to bed. He was found dead the next morning, beaten and stuck in a window at an abandoned neighboring resort. The Mexican authorities said it was an accident. His family said it was murder. Join me, Jamie Beebe, co-host of the popular true crime series Strictly Stalking, as I embark on a brand new adventure combining true crime and travel. Listen to The Last Trip wherever you get your podcasts and follow The Last Trip on Instagram at The Last Trip Crime Pod. This episode of Check the Locks is brought to you by our friends at Audible. Audible is your one-stop shop for audio entertainment where you can always find the best of what you love or discover something new. That's right. Audible offers an incredible selection of audiobooks across every genre from mysteries, thrillers, biographies, and of course, true crime. And as an Audible member, you can choose one title a month from their catalog to keep forever, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. Audible members also get access to thousands of podcasts from popular favorites, exclusive new series, and this very podcast you're listening to now. Plus, the Audible app makes it easy to listen anytime, anywhere. While traveling, working out, walking the dog, doing chores, Audible makes listening anywhere easy. And best of all, Check the Locks listeners can try Audible for free for 30 days. So head over to audibletrial.com slash check the locks or click the link in the show notes to start enjoying Audible today. Warning, Check the Locks podcast is a true crime podcast and may contain graphic descriptions of violence, murder, sexual assault, and more. Check the Locks podcast is not appropriate for all listeners. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Welcome back to Check the Locks Podcast. As always, I'm John Connor. 
I'm Olivia Cornu. Saying thank you for joining us this week as we dive into yet another truly terrifying true crime case. Before we get started, as always, Olivia, it's wonderful to see you. How are you? How's your week been? I'm good. How are you? I'm getting over my cold still. And it sounds like you got a cold again. Yep. We just I'm keep passing it on. Still getting over it. I, I know I say this all the time. We've never been in the same room, but I feel like we get each other sick all the time. <laughs> Because as soon as one of us is like, I don't feel great. The other person's like, I don't feel great either. So <laughs> it's the, we got a bad case of the zoomies, I guess, just passing it back and forth, but I'm doing good. We uh, had a nice vacation, went and saw some family uh, for our birthdays, went up to Michigan. So it was fun and happy to be back and, you know, knocking out some, uh, some cases. I'm excited about this week's because I hadn't ever heard of it. And I'm really wondering if you've heard of it, but uh, we can get to that in just a minute, but you've been good. Life's been happy you've been healthy you know i mean i wouldn't say i've been super healthy but i've been healthy enough um and happy birthday by the way i mean you just kind of threw that in there like hey we went on a trip for our birthdays i don't think our listeners know that it's your birthday well my birthday was on friday this episode is coming out on monday today's actually my wife's birthday so happy birthday to my wonderful wife uh this episode's coming out on her birthday but yeah it's nice just you know get to go and spend some time with the family and We've got uh, another Michigan trip coming up here uh, for Easter. So it's rare that I get to you know go up there more than once a year. So I'm, I'm excited to spend some time with them this year. And it's just been a good time. Yeah, that's exciting. I'm glad you're getting some family time. Yeah, We're just living, laughing and loving. You know what I mean? It's like an old country <laughs> kitchen. So, <laughs> well, again, it is uh, my week because I was out of town. We're doing things a little bit different. I know I did the full episode last week and I'm doing it again this week just because scheduling wise, it worked a little bit better, but I am really excited to get into this case. Cause like I said, I had not heard anything about it. And when I started researching it, I was kind of shocked that I didn't know about it. And it's one of those ones that takes place over a long period of time. You know, I love my like cold cases, slow burn, stuff like that. So yeah, I'm really excited to see what you think about it. I'm really excited to see what the listeners think. What do you think? Should we just jump into it? I think so. All right, let's do it. For this week's case, we're heading to Arizona. On November 8th, 1992, 21-year-old Angela Brasso went out for a solo bike ride. Angela was a graduate of Cedar Cliff High School, and after graduation, she had moved in with her boyfriend, Joe. Now, Angela and Joe would usually go riding together, but on this night, Angela went alone and Joe stayed home to bake a cake. This is because it was the day before Angela's 22nd birthday. But when the young woman didn't return home over an hour later, Joe became worried. So he went out on his own bike searching for his girlfriend. But unfortunately, he had no luck. Joe called authorities to report Angela missing, and police immediately began searching. And the next morning, they would make a shocking discovery. In a field near her apartment was the body of Angela Brasso. The crime scene was horrific. She had been stabbed to death, sexually assaulted, and decapitated. In fact, the attack was so brutal that Brasso was nearly cut in half, and due to the sheer volume, police were unable to determine the exact number of stab wounds. But most disturbingly, Brasso's head was not located at the crime scene. Investigators were shocked at the level of violence, and they believed that Angela had been attacked while riding on a nearby bike path. Her bicycle was also missing. Now, 11 days later, Angela Brasso's head would be found in a nearby canal about two miles from her home. But strangely, there was little signs of decomposition, 
And investigators believe that whoever killed the 21-year-old had kept the dismembered head as a souvenir, refrigerating it before disposing of the woman's remains. Now, Phoenix authorities had never seen such a brutal crime before, and though they did everything they could to catch Angela's killer, they turned up no leads. And 10 months later, on September 21st of 1993, the killer would strike again. 17-year-old Melanie Bernas, a high school junior, decided to take an evening bike ride. Melanie's mother, Marlene, was out for dinner that evening, and when she returned home that night, she found that her daughter wasn't there. Marlene quickly reported her daughter missing, and the next morning, Phoenix local Charlotte Pottle was riding her bike with her daughter in a back seat. At some point, she found herself riding through a strange colored puddle, and the woman turned around to get a better look. Charlotte was shocked by what she'd found. It was a puddle of blood. She also noticed what appeared to be drag marks. Shaken, Charlotte returned home and called the police. And when investigators arrived, they found the body of Melanie Bernas floating in a nearby canal. Like Angela Brasso, she had been attacked while riding on the bike path. Melanie had been stabbed to death and sexually assaulted. Now, she wasn't decapitated, but knife carvings found on her body were similar to those found on Brasso's. Police immediately noticed the similarities, but this time, something was different. Melanie's clothes had been cut off, and her killer had dressed her in a blue bodysuit. Now, DNA was recovered from both crime scenes, but you have to remember that at this point, DNA was very, very new. But police did believe that they were dealing with a serial killer. And Angela and Melanie's murders were dubbed the Canal Murders. Again, police worked the case as best they could, but there were no leads and no viable suspects. And as time went on, the case grew cold. So before we go any further, Olivia, what are your thoughts? What are you thinking? Fill me in on what you got. I have no idea what to think about this case so far, but I will say it looks like we have a serial killer on the loose. Um, And it's interesting that he... I don't know if he's just waiting at this bike path or I mean, I would think it would be kind of difficult to attack women who are actively riding a bike, you know, and I hope that as this case goes on, we kind of talk about that a little bit and like how he was able to attack them. So, you know, I was thinking the same thing, but then I had a flashback to when I was in middle school mm-hmm. and I have a friend, I know he doesn't listen to this podcast, but I had a friend back then. His name was Justin and there was this other kid, Ed, who he used to mess with me all the time. He would ride past me on his bike and he would just smack me in the back of the head. And he did it day after day after day after day. And Justin was like a grade or two older than me. And he was Mm -hmm. like, that's it. This isn't happening anymore. So he ran ahead one day and hid behind a bush. And sure enough, Ed came by and smacked me in the back of the head. And as soon as he got by that bush, Justin just jumped out, pushed him. And he ate it harder than I've ever seen. Just went down. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, that's true. You know, if you're not expecting it and you're just riding, also shout out. Thanks for, you know, sticking Thanks up for, for me, uh, bud. sticking up for the bully. Right. Taking the bully down. But if you're just riding, you're not paying attention, then all of a sudden somebody just jumps out and pushes you. Like you're down. You don't know what's going on. So, yeah, that's true. I, also, too, like where I grew up in Michigan, there's a place called Heinz Park and there's a lot of jogging paths and stuff. And mm-hmm. it's always been like, keep your guard up. Because people, you know, there have been things that have happened there. And, like, you got to keep your guard up because people just be hiding, wait for somebody to jog, and then just jump out. You know what I mean? Which That's scary. Yeah. I know you're a runner. So, 
put that in your I head next to, time. But <laughs> yeah, I used to bike in Iowa a lot, and there was this this one path that goes out by this like water treatment plant. I couldn't tell you exactly what it was called, but you had to ride under this under the interstate. But it was like it was a low, low like road and so like you were on your bike and it had like graffiti and it was just eerie and like there's a river next to it and Mm -hmm. it was just a weird every time I would be right there and even when I would run right there I'm like I gotta go quick I gotta go quick somebody's gonna get me and then you're running to a field of like nothingness yeah it's just crazy to think that you know you're out riding your bike you're doing this thing you've done a million times and then all of a sudden somebody's just on top of you it's nuts and then the other thing that really got to me was We've done so many of these cases where it's like there was over a hundred stab wounds. There was 147 stab wounds. And the way that they described it in the research is that it seemed like whoever killed Angela Brasso was trying to cut her in half and they could not count the number of stab wounds because there were so many. So because we've done cases where it's like 130, 140, it's almost like unfathomable to be like, Oh, that like how like, how many times would you cut somebody? And like, how do you do that without somebody noticing? You know what I mean? It's very right. Like, how is he has to be doing it right there where their bodies are, you know, close to where their bodies are being found. And then to cut somebody's head completely off. And like keep, that's and keep it in the refrigerator. Cause yeah, when I found like, it, it was fine. Eleven, you know, decomposition eleven days in. I mean, you know, working in the medical profession, like animals get to stuff you know the elements get to it but this was just like somebody took it home put it in a fridge and it was like i don't want this anymore just threw it out threw it out yeah so crazy well i think we should keep going all right well i'm glad we're on the same page we can jump back in So now we're going to jump to 2011, and this is where things would begin to change. Phoenix police detective Clark Schwarzkopf was working with the cold case unit investigating the canal murders. When he learned that there were over 600 people of interest in the case file, he requested that list. And Schwarzkopf decided that he was going to start at the top and work his way down, looking into the backgrounds of every single person who was listed. The detective continued working the list until 2014, and it was then that there would be another break in the case. Forensic genealogist Colleen Fitzpatrick was speaking to Phoenix police at a conference. Her company, Identifiers International, had developed software that could mine public genealogy. This could help the police to find potential suspects using these databases. The Phoenix police decided to send their case file on the canal murders to Fitzpatrick. And through extensive searching, the genealogist was able to find a last name, Miller. Detective Schwarzkopf immediately went back to his list. Six people on that list shared the last name Miller. But as he dug deep into their background, one stood out in particularly, a 42-year-old man named Brian Patrick Miller. And as they looked into Miller, they discovered a violent past. It turns out that in May of 1989, a woman named Celeste Bentley had gotten off of a bus stop. Also at that stop was 16-year-old Brian Patrick Miller. As the teen ran past her, she felt what she thought was a slap on the back. But when she reached around to touch the sore spot, she found her hand to be covered in blood. In fact, Miller had stabbed the woman in the back. Fortunately, she was okay, and he was eventually caught. 
Miller was charged with aggravated assault and he would be found guilty and sentenced to a juvenile detention center until he was 18 years old. Now, while Miller was incarcerated, his mother, Ellen, was home cleaning his room. And it was then that she found an unsettling note written by her son. Inside were detailed descriptions of Miller's desire to torture and kill young women. Rightfully, Miller's mother was distraught by what she was reading. And because of this, he was not allowed to come home after his release. And instead, he lived in a halfway house. Now, due to the nature of his violent past, Schwarzkopf believed Miller to be a viable suspect. As an adult, Miller was now a father to a 15-year-old daughter. And at the time, he was working for Amazon. But most people in the area knew him as the zombie hunter. This is because he would participate in parades and other local events dressed as a comic book character. Miller would wear a long trench coat with goggles and a helmet. He would also sport a prop Gatling gun. Miller would drive an old police car that he had decorated to match his theme. But in December of 2014, it wasn't zombies, but Miller who would be the one being hunted. Schwarzkopf had placed his suspect under surveillance. He would watch Miller taking his break outside of an Amazon warehouse. But to determine if Miller was in fact the man behind the canal murders, the detective would need his DNA. So Schwarzkopf devised a plan. One day, he approached Miller as he took one of his breaks. He told his suspect that he worked for a security firm and they had been watching the building. Schwarzkopf told Miller that his team had been watching for weeks and noticed him outside taking those breaks. As he continued his ruse, the detective asked Miller if he would like to work for him. All he would have to do is watch the building while he was out on break. Miller agreed, and Schwarzkopf set up an appointment for Miller to fill out an application, secretly hoping he would be able to collect his suspect's DNA. The pair agreed to meet at a local Chili's restaurant, and Schwarzkopf's plan was put into effect. Officers were placed in the kitchen, hoping to collect any silverware, plate, or drink that Miller may use during the dinner. But to the detective's surprise, Miller arrived with his teenage daughter. He ordered a hamburger and a glass of water. And as he observed Miller, Schwarzkopf started to have doubts. Seeing his suspect being so mild-mannered with his child made him wonder if Miller could have committed the grisly murders. But he had to see it through. And when Miller finally took a drink from his glass of water, the detective knew he had a sample. After the meal, the glass was seized and sent to the crime lab for processing. And 11 days later, the results came back. It was a match. Brian Patrick Miller was responsible for the murders of Angela Brasso and Melanie Bernas. And on January 13, 2015, he was arrested and charged with first-degree murder. Now, his trial would begin in October of 2022. And in a shocking admission, Miller's attorney admitted that his client was, in fact, the canal murderer. However, his attorney argued that Miller had suffered severe abuse as a child that led to mental health issues. In fact, a psychologist testified that Miller developed a condition known as disassociative amnesia, and this is an inability to remember some traumatic events. Miller's attorney claimed that he had no memory of the canal murders, and Miller claimed he didn't commit the murders at all, but the judge wasn't buying it, and in June of 2023, Miller was found guilty and sentenced to death. Now, in his 50s, Miller continues to sit on death row still maintaining his innocence. 
And Olivia, that's this week's case. What are you thinking? What do you got? Walk me through it. John, this one was crazy. I hate that it took so long for them to finally catch the person who did it. But I also, you know, I think that there is such thing as, you know, amnesia and then people not remembering traumatic events, you know, even even down to like my patients who just have like a head bleed. They don't usually remember those kind of things. Not to say that it's a traumatic event, but people don't remember being in the hospital. They'll be in the hospital for three weeks and they don't even remember. So for him to come out and say like, I don't remember killing these women. I was traumatized as a child and abused. I just don't know that I'm a fall for that. I feel like he knew what he was doing and to do it multiple times and like the same pattern. I just feel like it was pretty land to murder these women. Um, and like, I would love to know like why he kept the head. Like, do you think that he didn't remember doing it and then found a head at his house and then decided to go dump it? Like that's a detail that is big that can't go unnoticed. Do you know what I mean? Like he knew what he did. He knew he had to have killed somebody if he found a head and then put it in a canal. So I don't know. This one was sad just because of the way the women died, but I'm not believing that he didn't know what he was doing. What are you thinking? Yeah. You know, as I went through the case, the one thing, because I definitely understand there are people who have like traumatic blackouts and things of that nature. Right. I know the brain does a lot of really crazy stuff, but best organ, the best, simply the best. Oh my gosh, I take care thalamus. of brains. I don't know if that's an organ or not, but just want to know. Thalamus, that's a place. Oh, okay. So I, you have, you have yeah. two. That kind of works. One on the left, one on the right. Uh, the hyper and the hypo, right? Am I wrong? Hypothalamus, isn't that the thing? Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Keep going. We'll have our anatomy lecture right. later. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So I definitely get that your brain does weird stuff. What... I think is a little fishy about it is you go into a trauma blackout and then in this blacked out state, you go to an isolated bike path where, you know, people are there. It's dark. You can catch somebody alone. You commit these horrific crimes, take a head home with you. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh man, what happened? I've got this head in my refrigerator. You know, like if this would happen where he was at a grocery store and just attack somebody and there's a bunch of people around, Okay, maybe I buy that, right? But there's definitely some planning, right? This happened on a dark bike path where you have to know, like, if I go there, there's going to be victims of opportunity. So to me, this really seemed more of like, here's my like medical reason. I'm insane. I've got this, you know, I didn't do it because I I go through these blackouts and it sounds like a convenient defense, but... Mm -hmm the way that the the murders happened, it just doesn't add up for me. I do think it's strange that, you know, we don't know of any other killings past 1993 up until mm-hmm. when he's caught, but you know, you never know there, you know, could have been other things and I, you know, things happen. You have a kid, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I can tell you I'm a dad and wouldn't have a whole heck of a lot of time to be a serial killer. I got too much stuff to do. You know what I mean? So, you know, I don't know if maybe something like that just slowed him down or changed his perspective on things, but I'm, I'm really not buying the, like, 
oh, I'm just having these blackouts. It just doesn't, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. If you were having these blackouts, then when you found the head in your home, that's when you say something's not right. Something's wrong with me. How do I make this not happen again? And like, I mean, no one's going to turn themselves in, but like you could have maybe gotten off a little bit easier if this was really your true, you know, defense. Like I have this problem. I'm mentally not well. How do I not have this happen again? I don't know. I don't believe it. I'm not buying it. I think he murdered these women intentionally. Yeah. You know, and it is crazy to me that it took two decades, right? Because the the first murder was in 1992. Then mm-hmm. the second was in 1993. But what I also thought was really interesting when I was doing the research was that Angela Brasso's head was found 11 days later and the DNA test came back 11 days later that said, hey, Miller is the guy who did it. So it took two decades. Those time spans and days was, you know, exactly the same. And I was like, wow, that's really weird that like you wouldn't find her head for 11 days and then would take 11 days to say like he is for sure the killer. So it's just, you know, the universe is weird. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Just lines everything up the way they're supposed to sometimes. And I do feel bad for his daughter, you know, Mm -hmm. because she's the other thing is they had to search this guy's house because the bicycles and all that stuff were never found. So they thought, you know, maybe if we search his house, we'd find the bicycles or maybe a murder weapon or something like that. And he was like an insane hoarder. There was just stuff. Ever, they didn't find what they were looking for, but they mm-hmm. found that like, you know, from the wall to ceiling was just stuff. And so you're thinking about this 15 year old girl that she's living like that. And then she finds out that her dad is a, you know, a, a extremely violent murderer, you know? Yeah. Not just a murderer, but like decapitated somebody and tried to cut someone in half. Like that's, Intense. Yeah, 110%. So it's, you know, you just hope that wherever she is, she's okay. And, you know, I again, I like these cases where it's like genealogy, where it's like, yeah, your second cousin twice removed, spit in a tube, you know, that's how you got busted. So, yep. No crimes being committed by me. Nope. Same here. But, you know, if we're talking deadbolt test, and I did think this one was going to be interesting because normally I'm like, I can tell when one's going to be lower. Maybe one's going to be a little bit higher. I'm not even going to say what, where I think as far as a gauge, but what are we thinking deadbolt test? Where does this one sit for you? I'm putting this at an eight, John. And it's because I bike and I run alone and I try to do it in pretty populated areas. But, you know, every now and then you come across where you have to go under the interstate and it is low and it is dark and it is eerie and there's a river right to your left and anybody could jump out and get you. And I just, you know, and a lot of people are dying on running while they're running, you know, here lately. So that one, these these ones are just unsettling when you're out trying to be your better version of yourself and be healthy and exercise or whatever it may be. And then someone comes and kills you. I just, I don't, these don't settle well with me. So it's an eight for me. What about you? No, I definitely get it. And I will say that's exactly what I was thinking when I was thinking about where you would put this. And I only say that because I don't know if I've shared this on the show yet, but Olivia, every once in a while when she's running or bike riding or something like that, she'll be like, Hey, I'm going a different direction this way. So, you know, here's where I am as if I'm like somewhere even remotely close, but at least if something happens or she stops responding, you know, somebody knows to like, let the, let the authorities know where to look. So, but she'll touch me like I'm on this street and this street, or I remember you were running and uh, 
we had just done that case about the murderer on the uh the box rail cars, car. the box cars. Mm-hmm. And you were like, I'm running past a uh, train station right now and I'm absolutely terrified like if anything happens to me so I was like I think this one's going to be higher I you know for me again I'm right there with you I'm going to put it at a nine I'm going to go a little bit higher because Kara is very athletic she likes to get out she likes to run and that's her favorite thing is you know going to the park walking running doing all that stuff and you know as a husband as a father you know you think about these kind of people who are out there looking to take advantage of people in these situations and so it's you know scary you know, not that I necessarily think that I'm going to be targeted, but, you know, we share our location services because of that. You know, I know where oh, she's yeah. going. I can see where she's at. So it's just, it's very sad that as a woman, you know, or women have to think about having these safeguards in place. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So just scary world as a woman. We say it all the time, or I say it all the time because it is. It's a scary woman. It's a scary woman. It's a scary world. There are some scary women, women out there. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, but I, yeah, this was a good one. I mean, I just, I just, I just don't believe it. I think he knew what he was doing. No, I completely agree. I, I definitely do not think this was a case of like I'm just blacking out. Because if you were and a head showed up in your home and you had to dispose of it, like call somebody. Like how does it, how, what happened? How, why? Like I would have so many questions if I woke up and there was a head in my house. Yeah, you would just like, be like, what the heck did I do last night? Yeah, you wouldn't be like, I'm going to get a glass of milk and just be like, oh, well that's, I don't remember that's picking a, that up at the deli. That's strange. There's a real big human head in my refrigerator. Yeah, yeah so crazy. It's just, you know. I'm glad that he got what he got. I'm glad that the, you know, again, I'm not a huge proponent of the death penalty. We've talked about it before, but he needed some kind of serious punishment. And depending on the state, that's as serious as you get. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Well, that is where we fall in the dead bull test. Olivia's putting this case at an eight. I'm putting it at a nine. But as always, we want to know. Where does the murder of Angela Brasso and Melanie Bernass fall on your deadbolt test? You can let us know. Reach out to us on Instagram at Check the Locks Pod. Find us on Twitter at Check the Locks. And if you're not in our Facebook group, what are you doing? Come hang out with us. We'd love to spend some time with you, get to know you. Olivia, we just talked about it, but this case was very sad. And I do like that we do this at the end because it always gives us a chance to end on a high note, little pick me up. I don't know about you. I think we're out of five star reviews which is a little bit of a bummer, but you got something else for us this week? This week, we're actually going to use a Spotify comment, and that was from episode 82, Murder on Holiday. Um, That was the Rebecca Middleton case when they went, the two girls went to Bermuda to spend their holiday there, and they were attacked by the men on the um, motorcycles. I do remember that. Uh, Yeah, it was sad, yeah. So this review or comment is from Beagles Fred, and they said, I love your podcast, Olivia and John. Thank you for covering Rebecca Middleton's case. Such a sad story. But you know what this means? That we need our listeners to go write some reviews. Yes, we do need reviews. And also, Beagles Fred, obviously you listen on Spotify, so you left us that comment. So we really do appreciate it. Definitely agree with you. You know, cases like that, honestly, are one of the reasons I love doing this podcast because, you know, I had never heard of it. And it's just this young girl who you know, was just trying to have a good time. And and I feel like in a way it it allows us to kind of tell her story, you know what I mean, uh, and kind of get it out there. So it was definitely, you know, 
I don't want to say our pleasure to cover it, but you know, I, I just don't know how else to say it. I think it was an important story to, to tell. So thank you for leaving that. We would love to send you some stuff. Reach out to us on Instagram, check the locks pod, find us on Twitter and check the locks. If you're in our Facebook group, you can let us know there. If you're not a social person, totally fine. Head over to checkthelockspod.com, click the email button, send us an email, let us know where to get you some stuff out. We got stickers, buttons, all sorts of stuff that we'd love to get you. Uh, And again, thank you so much for leaving that comment on Spotify. Olivia, if somebody wants to have a five-star review read on the podcast, because we need five-star reviews for the podcast, how can someone have their five-star review read on the podcast, Olivia? Well, let's say five-star review one more time, but they need to go to the Apple Podcast app, go to our show's homepage, scroll down where you see all five of those purple stars, click them all, leave us a little bit of love and tell us what you think so that we can read your review. So this isn't an end of an era. We've done it for every episode. We need reviews or voicemails or Spotify comments, whatever works for you. Something. This show is only fun for us if we get to hear from you and also Olivia, your explanation of how to do that, five stars. Would recommend. Thanks. So, but that's right. Olivia says it best. So I don't have to. Apple Podcasts, click all five stars, write, let us know what you think, send it in. We would love to read it on the show. If you need a cheat code, you can use the link in the description of this episode that you're listening to right now. And as always, if you are interested in financially supporting Check the Locks, you can do so by becoming a patron. Head over to patreon.com forward slash check the locks to get signed up today. We got a lot of great tiers, a lot of exclusive benefits. We got stickers, t-shirts, coffee mugs, all sorts of stuff you can only get for being a patron. Plus you get the episodes a little early ad free. So if you love check the locks, but you hate commercials, Patreon is the way to go. So again, if you like what we do, you want to help us out. Patreon.com forward slash check the locks, get signed up today. And as always, if you can't financially support the show, we definitely understand just listening and hanging out with us every week means just as much, if not more. So if that is you, you're listening, you're sharing what we do with your friends, your family, the people who are important to you, just know we appreciate that. Again, that is how the show is going to grow, going to bring in new listeners and help us to grow our community. So again, if you are sharing this, thank you so much. It means the world to us. That is all that we have for this week's case, but please make sure that you are subscribed to check the locks on your favorite podcast app so that you never miss an episode. We will see you again next week with a brand new, truly terrifying true crime case. But until then, don't forget to check the lock. See you next week. Oh, you're back, yes. Yes. <laughs>